Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the CX Goalkeeper Podcast. Your host, Greg, will have smart discussions with friends, experts, and thought leaders on customer experience, transformation, and leadership. Please follow this podcast on your preferred platform. I am sure you will enjoy the next episode with the guest I selected for you. Ladies and gentlemen, today it's really a special day because I have the big, big opportunity to chat together with Joy Coleman. Hi, Joy. How are you? Hi, Greg. It's my honor. Such a pleasure today to get to connect with you as well. Thanks so much for inviting me on the show. I am super happy. I would say finally on the CX Goalkeeper podcast, after, after I listened so many episodes of Experience This, I am super happy to have you. And it's a bit strange to listen to your voice because now it's on my podcast. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. No, well, it's uh, thank you for listening to the show. And again, thank you for having me on the show. And thanks to everybody who's listening in as well. I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I'm sure I'm going to enjoy it with Greg. Thank you very much. And today we want to discuss about your latest book, Never Lose an Employee Again. But before we deep dive in this outstanding, amazing piece of work that you created in the last few years, we would like to learn a bit more about you. And therefore, could you please introduce yourself? Sure. So for the last 20 years, I have spent my time teaching customer, teaching companies how to keep their customers and keep their employees. I do that as a professional speaker. I do keynote speeches. I lead workshops. I do that as a consultant, working with companies one-on-one -on -one to either enhance their customer experience or their employee experience or both. And I think the way we originally got connected is I write books. My first book was called Never Lose a Customer Again. My newest book, as you shared, is called Never Lose Lose an employee again. And both are about how to pay attention to the first 100 days of the experience so that we can lay a foundation for long-term engagement and retention. Thank you very much, Joey. We will have a few bit time to deep dive in your second book uh, in a few minutes. But first of all, which are the values that drive you in life? Oh, I, I have a number of values that I try to drive my life by. Uh, I try to live by a uh, philosophy of personal growth and learning. I'm trying to always learn new things, have new experiences, be exposed to new ideas. I try my best to practice gratitude. I feel very fortunate for the blessings I've already had in my life, for the blessings that are already on their way, the possibilities, the opportunities. And at the end of the day, I try to infuse as much of my life with fun and playfulness as possible. I think we get one chance to lead this life and we might as well enjoy it while we're going through it. So those are some of the key guiding principles that I try to live my life by. Oh, that's, that's really great. And I think only touching on two of them, fun and curiosity or learning new things. I think this is really what we can find in, in your book, Never Lose an Employee Again, because this is really an amazing piece of work and an outstanding book. And let's stop here to the audience. Please go buy the book and then please come back to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, perhaps really starting about um, your book, um, where this idea come from, never lose an employee again, after writing, never lose a customer again, the title are a bit similar. <laughs> the, the titles are similar. No, absolutely. And, and the premise of both books is similar. You know, we've got 100 days to get the experience right. We need to be intentional in our interactions with either our customers or our employees or both as it would be. 
But the idea from the book really came from a number of places. Number one, I had been in the customer experience space for about five minutes before I realized that you can't have great customer experiences if you don't have employees who are going to help you deliver those experiences. It's also the case that I think the customer experience and the employee experience are two sides of the same coin. As we improve one, we improve the other. Happy customers makes it easier for the employees to go to work. Happy employees treat the customers better. So if we're feeding on one, we should be feeding on the other. And what I realized is that in many organizations, customer experience and employee experience are two separate things. They're two separate conversations, two separate departments. Usually the people that work on customer experience, the account reps, the customer service team, maybe the marketing team, the sales team, they don't spend a lot of time thinking about employee experience. And usually the people that are responsible for employee experience, the head of human resources or the head of people or head of talent, doesn't spend a lot of time thinking about customer experience. They're thinking about the employees. And if I see these as two sides of the same coin, I thought it would be good to have two books right next to each other, one that was focusing on customers, one that was focusing on employees with the idea that you could read both books and apply new ideas and learning to either direction of the relationship. Uh, it's it's very very interesting and and what you are sharing I think it's really key. You mentioned this example of uh, customer um, customer contact center representatives, and thinking about the experience that they are living every day in the contact center or at home working from home compared to what it's offered to the customer. Customer of the best in class uh, technology, the best app. They find everything. It's super easy to find them. Everything is real time. And on the other side, you have in the contact center, seven, nine, 10 different systems that are not real time and they need to navigate through the system. And uh, also I face the, 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 the situation where also they were required always to log in during the call. And yes. therefore, I, it, it totally makes sense what, what, what you're saying. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating to me that in many organizations, the worst part of the employee experience, those are the employees who have to deal with the customers. So whether that's the call center rep or the person at the checkout station at the store or, you know, the person who's on the front line dealing with the employee, these are the people we need to be supporting. These are the people we need to be providing resources to and training to and experience to so that they can deliver the great experiences for our customers. But yet in most organizations, they're the lowest paid, lease status, lease amount of resources in the entire company. It makes no sense. Uh, exactly. And in your book, you are sharing eight phases. Could you qu quickly please elaborate through these eight phases? Yes. And I'll do my best to do it quickly, Greg, because there are eight of them. It takes me a little bit of time. Take so your first, time. I appreciate that. So they all start, just as a preview to our listeners, they all start with the letter A. And the idea is if you get all of them right and moving well, it's like getting high marks on your report card from your from your employees and your team members. So the first step is the assess phase. 
In the assess phase, a prospective employee is trying to decide whether or not they want to come work for your organization. They're looking at your job posting or your career advertisement. They're going to the About Us page or the career page on your website. They might be looking on social media to see who they're linked to that works at your company and asking them questions. They're submitting their resume or their application. They're going through the interview process. All the things that are allowing them to assess whether or not they want to work here, while we as the employer are also assessing them as a candidate. We then come to phase two, the accept phase. The accept phase, again, has two component pieces. The employer accepts that this is the candidate they want to extend an offer to, so they make an offer. And if we're lucky, that desired candidate accepts our offer. Immediately after that, they go to phase three, the affirm phase. In the affirm phase, the newly hired employee begins to experience something I call new hire's remorse. They begin to doubt the decision they just made to accept the job offer. And in this phase, we need to affirm that they made the right choice. We then come to phase four, the activate phase. I call it the activate phase because we want to energize the relationship. This is the first official day at work. They show up at the office. They show up online. They're officially an employee and they're going to begin their training or their onboarding or they're working with us. This is the only phase, Greg, in the eight phases that lasts a single day. All the other phases, maybe two, three days, a month, weeks. This phase, one day. And so what are we doing to make that day absolutely remarkable? We then come to the fifth phase, the acclimate phase. This starts on day two on the job and lasts for weeks or even months as the new employee gets used to our way of doing business. They learn our policies, our procedures, our practices. They learn about their role, their responsibilities, the requirements, and the relationships they have to keep within the organization. In most companies, they try to compress the acclimate phase into two or three days, when in reality, it should be two or three months, giving the employee time to get used to things. We then come to phase six, the accomplish phase. In the accomplish phase, the employee achieves the goal they had when they originally accepted the job offer. Every employee has a vision of what life will be like as an employee. The question is, do we know what their vision is? Are we tracking their progress towards that goal? And when they achieve it or accomplish it, are we celebrating with them? We then come to phase seven, the adopt phase. In the adopt phase, the employee becomes loyal to us and only us. They're not taking calls from recruiters. They're not looking for other jobs. They are committed. They are part of our culture. They are contributing to the experience that the coworkers have, and they own that experience because of their longstanding commitment to the organization. And last but not least, the eighth phase, the advocate phase. This is when an employee becomes a raving fan, singing our praises far and wide. They're writing reviews online about what a great place it is to work. When there's a new position open, they're recruiting their friends, their colleagues, the smartest people they know to apply and come join them at work. Advocates are the ideal employee in many ways because they're the ones that are coming to us and keeping us going and singing our praises. But the problem is so many companies try to take someone from the assess phase to the advocate phase in three or four days when it's certainly going to take several months, if not even years, to have that happen. 
Thank you very much, Joy. And I think I need to, to state that perhaps we are on the wrong channel because it's not a masterclass and you are giving us a masterclass about <laughs> employee experience. We should charge all the listeners. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You. Don't worry. There you go. Sounds lovely. <laughs> no, that's perfect. Uh, I, everybody that you were on a lot of podcasts, you already explained that several times and you got a lot of compliments and a lot of people already bought this, uh, this, this book. But what I really like is that you were thinking about the employee experience end to end from the beginning to the end and not only one specific phase. It's clear when companies want and they are going to implement that, I'm quite sure with your support, um, then they need to focus on the different phases, but at least something that you have end to end. And this is often what I miss in companies. They are really focused on one touch point or something. We need to improve the first day. Perfect. You do a, a, a great first impressions, but afterwards you send your uh, contact center agents three weeks in trainings, and then they will never get the training again. That's not possible. And therefore, I really love this way to, to explaining that. Oh, Greg, I appreciate that. And you're, and you're so right. The thing that I find most interesting is in many organizations, there's no one who even knows the entire journey let alone is responsible for the entire journey. In many organizations, there's someone who's responsible for hiring. There's someone who's responsible for the first day. There's someone who's responsible for the performance review at the one-year mark. But there's no one who's responsible for the experience every single day, the experience across the entire journey. And rarely, to your point, are organizations having this conversation that looks at the whole picture as opposed to just these individual little touch points. So I couldn't agree more with you. No, and sorry, now going out of topic, but what you're saying, I think it, it's really extremely interesting because also taking the lens of, of an employee or somebody looking for a new job getting an answer yes or no it can be life-changing and perhaps you in the company you have strange processes complex processes decision processes and you went one day two two days three days one week and on the other side somebody's waiting oh i really want this job and they don't get the answer and that's extremely difficult and i think this is something key that you are also explaining in in a great way these first under days uh, could you please elaborate a bit on that Yes. Well, two thoughts, Greg. Number one, you are so right. That gap between when we do the interview and when we find out whether we got the job or not, for every day that we don't reach out to the prospective employee and let them know whether they made it, whether they're getting the offer, two challenging things happen. Number one, their excitement about the position declines. It decreases because they're not sure. Number two, their uncertainty increases. And when we have someone who has fear and doubt and uncertainty, these are not traits that most humans like. So they begin to associate these negative emotions with our company. And even if we do make an offer two weeks from now and they accept that offer and they start two weeks later, now we've had a month of doubt a month of uncertainty. And we show up for the first day and we're thinking they should be excited. It's the new chapter, the first day in their life. And they're thinking, I really don't think I made a good choice. I, I don't, I'm not sure what it's going to be like here. So you're right. There's a huge, 
challenge as it relates to the timeliness of how we reply. The other thing I will say is our process of how we treat our employees, how we communicate with them, the timeliness of our responses, how much we tell them and inform them, sends a clear message from the beginning of the relationship what the rest of the relationship is going to be like. If I have an interview scheduled with you, Greg, and you cancel the interview, or you, oh, I'm sorry, we need to reschedule, or you show up late, or you're unprepared, what that tells me is, This is a preview of what's going to happen when I'm an employee. And now I'm not interested in the job or I'm anxious or fearful or doubtful about the job. So there's two pieces at play here. There's the strategy of what we want to do for our employee experience, but there's the consistency of the tactics and the interactions and the touch points that are contributing to the emotional feelings that a prospective employee or a current employee has about our organization. I think it's it's extremely important. And it's also how we are showing or explaining our brand to people joining us. What's our mission? What's our vision? We want to do the best possible things as usual in the company's visions, but you need to wait three months to get an answer from me. Is exactly. That, it doesn't work. No, it's, it doesn't work at all. We should treat our employees the way we wish we were treated. And the other thing I'll say to this is most humans, whether they're a prospective employee, a current employee, a prospective customer, a current customer, when we don't communicate with them, when time passes, they presume the worst. They don't presume the best. They don't presume, oh, they're busy or, oh, they've just got other things going on or, oh, they really like me. They just have to interview some other people before they tell me that they pick me. No, they presume I don't matter. I'm not good enough. They don't care. Second choice. They pres- the, exactly. They presume all the bad things only based on our lack of communication. Not because of we're telling them they're bad. It's when we say nothing, most humans presume the worst. Exactly. And in order to avoid that or to ensure that it, it goes smoothly, uh, we are in this 100 days, the first 100 days that um, an employee is with the company. Could you please elaborate a bit on that? Yes. So the research shows, Greg, that somewhere between 20 and 70% of newly hired employees will quit before the 100-day anniversary. These numbers are staggering, okay? Depending on the job, depending on the industry, depending on the position, the numbers might be higher or lower in that range, but it's always within that range. So here's the question I was left wondering. What could we do to get them to day 101? What could we do to get them to not quit at the beginning? Because the research also shows if on day 101, you're thrilled, you're happy, you're an employee who feels like this is the right place for me, this is amazing, the typical employee will stay for more than three years. I understand that being an employer is hard. I understand that managing a team is difficult. But if you can lay that foundation in the first 100 days, the long-term return on investment, the long-term benefit is well worth it. And what you're saying, I think we can also link that 
with financial numbers. How much it costs to hire somebody, how much it costs to train somebody. And sometimes in customer experience, we have also this issue, not linking the results of what we are doing with real benefits from a financial point of view. And also in this case, what you're saying can be one-to-one translated into numbers that we can then share with the CFO, with everybody, and then it's it's easier to get the case and to start this uh, this journey. Absolutely. Greg, a few statistics, if I may. In the typical organization, the cost of hiring a new employee is two to three times the salary of the position you seek. So it's a huge amount of money. And that's the hard cost. What about the soft cost, the loss of productivity, the loss of speed, the loss of morale when other employees are left to fill in the gaps and take care of that person's job while we're waiting to hire that new person. These are incredibly challenging. I don't have the numbers, forgive me, for Switzerland, but I do have the numbers for the United States. And in the United States, turnover of employees, just employees quitting, costs businesses in the United States $700 billion a year. $700 billion. That's a huge amount of money. And those are the hard dollar costs. We're not even factoring in soft dollar costs of lost time, the additional human power it takes to train someone, to find someone, to recruit them, to get them on board, to get them ready. There are so many financial costs that in many ways make the emotional cost that much more significant. And it makes totally sense. And to the audience, you should hire Joy because then we can also have the numbers for Switzerland. For Switzerland, that would be perfect. To, to, to all companies here, please hire Joy so that we can get this information. Um, joke aside, or a difficult question for you. And I'm not asking to decide you which is the child or the, that you prefer, but you are sharing <laughs> a lot of great example in your book. Which is the one that you prefer the most? Oh, you're right. It's a challenging question, Greg, because there are over 50 case studies in the book from all seven continents. So I wanted to be able to write a book that addressed the wide variety of experiences and case studies. Why don't we do this? Why don't you pick one of the phases and I'll give you an example of a fun story in that phase. Okay. Because you're right. It's tough to pick which ones because there's so many fun ones. Sure. Then it's not a phase, but it's something that uh, we can find also in the book. Hire for attitude. Hiring for attitude. Do you have perhaps one example on this topic? Hiring for attitude. Absolutely. So in fact, this is a fun example because I can share an example of hiring for attitude that isn't in Switzerland. Forgive me. Actually, let me think about that. I actually do have a Swiss example. I have a Swiss example. So I do this. This isn't in the book, but this was in my research. Okay. There was a company in Switzerland that was responsible for running the security scanners at the airport, the x-ray machines where you put your bag and you go through and you see the x-ray. And they were having a hard time finding employees to run the x-ray machine. And so they wanted to get creative about finding people. So they went to their executives and to their traveling salespeople, and they gave them a piece of carved metal to put in their bag whenever they flew. 
And the piece of carved metal said, and I'm going to translate it into English. It didn't say it in English, but it basically said, if you're reading this, we'd like to talk to you about coming to work for us. So whenever their people were flying through the airport, the person reading the x-ray, reading the scan of the luggage would see it and it would have the URL of the company to go to apply for the job. And they were the only people that saw it because they're the only ones that are seeing the metal show up in the scanner. That's a great example, I think, of being creative in how you advertise and hiring for attitude because the kind of person that would see that and laugh or think it's funny or say, that's a place I want to work is probably the kind of person you want to work with. Now, what's interesting about that example is it also had not only the attitude, but the aptitude, the skill that they needed of the person running the x-ray machine. That was the only person that would see it. So by default, anyone that went to that URL and applied, they knew was qualified because the only way they could have seen that ad was in an x-ray machine at the airport doing security. So that's an example of, you know, uh, the ability to think creatively, but also hire for the type of person you want, even if they might not have all the skills you want them to have. Uh, it's, it's great. And after hiring uh, this person, the person stay uh, with, the, with, the, um, with the company and they get some benefits. And you have also amazing benefits shared in, uh, in your book. Which are the two preferred or the two most, the strangest that, that you know? Oh, and, there, I, I, and I'm, I'm so excited about this question, Greg, because one of the things that was most enjoyable to me was to talk with these 50 companies and more about the interesting benefits that they offered their employees. I'll tell you about two that uh, one that I think is something that every business on the planet should consider. And the other one is the one that the most readers of the book and people in the audience have responded positively to. So first, the one that everyone should consider. There's a web development firm in the United States called YokoCo. And they decided to carbon offset the impact that their employees had, not only coming to work in their commute at the office while they were working and going home, but also any impact they were causing in their house. And they did all the math and all the research and they worked with some professors to figure out, well, what not only is the, the right number, the right impact, but where should we offset? Should we buy carbon credit? Should we invest in environmentally friendly technologies? How can we do this? And they did an amazing job of doing their homework and making sure it wasn't greenwashing and that it was an effective investment. What was most interesting about this, though, Greg, is when they rolled it out to the employees. The CEO told me that several employees cried in gratitude and thanks because they felt guilty about the impact they were having commuting to work. They felt guilty about their building websites that take more electricity. And in many places in the world, electricity generation is one of the biggest problems we have with climate. And they felt that their employer was looking out for them and looking out for the planet. It actually then became a recruiting tool because they would talk about it in interviews as a way to differentiate themselves from other companies that an employee might be interviewing at. Here's the craziest piece of the whole research, though, Greg. 
the cost per employee was less than $30 a month. Incredible. Not a, not a big investment to get your employees crying in gratitude, right? It, it, really small. The other one I'll give is an example from a buddy of mine, John Rulin, his company, Giftology. So John is an amazing speaker and writer. I'm sure you're familiar with him in the, in the CX space. He's very well known. All of his employees or the majority of his employees are women who are also mothers. So that's his employee base. And he was trying to come up with some fantastic employee perks for his employees. Lots of times we think, oh, the employee perk has to fit for every employee we'll ever have. No, you can make a perk that's just for the ones you currently have on payroll. And what he did was two things, unlimited house cleaning and unlimited babysitting. Paid for by the company. Now, folks, if you're, yeah, you're listening. Greg's face, when I just said that, I'm watching. Greg's face was like, wait, what? Unlimited house cleaning and unlimited babysitting? Yes. And John did a couple of remarkable things when he rolled this out. Number one, they don't just give the person money to pay for those things. Because what they learned is if they just gave this mom $200 to pay for house cleaning, she wouldn't get the house clean. She'd spend that money on shoes for the kids or games or sports or whatever it would be. So instead, the employee has to pay for it and then they submit for reimbursement. But they can submit any amount as often as they want. As long as they submit, here's the receipt I paid the person that cleaned the house. Here's the receipt of what I paid the babysitter. It gets reimbursed immediately. The other thing they decided was each employee picks who they want to clean their house and who they want to be the babysitter. They didn't make an agreement with a house cleaning company or with a babysitter company. They said, you go pick who you want, who you feel comfortable having into your home and we'll pay for it. When we look at the number one factor of stress for our employees in their non-work life, it is their relationship with their spouse and their relationship with their children. And by putting house cleaning and babysitting as employee perks, we reduce that stress. And in fact, we increase the experience because now that I've got babysitting, I can go on date night. Now that I've got house cleaning, we can come home and play a game as a family instead of clean the house all weekend. So it changed the experience his people were having outside of work which made them more productive, more focused, and more engaged when they were at work. This is an in incredible example to conclude this game, but to, in the extra time, we still have a few minutes and a few questions for you. Um, what is the key leadership lesson you have learned throughout your career that you want to share with us? Oh, I've had the pleasure of learning so many lessons, Greg, and continue to learn lessons every day. I would say this, one that is really important is to recognize that the people you are leading are people. They are human. And wherever possible, we want to try to connect personally and emotionally with them. And whenever we do that, it deepens the relationship and it increases the likelihood that we're able to achieve our business goals or our operational goals because now we're dealing with people human to human instead of boss to employee or owner to coworker or whatever it may be. 
Thank you. Um, in 10 years from now, we are back on the CX Goalkeeper podcast, what we're discussing about. I think we're still talking about employee experience. I think we're still talking about customer experience. And I think globally, those experiences have gotten better. The expectations that customers have are only going to increase. And if we're still having this conversation and we're still talking about companies that are around, they will have increased to match those expectations. I was thinking more about never lose a fan again, never lose a patient again, never lose a spouse again. Yes, yes, that, that is a possibility. I, I think I might for now, I think I'm done with the never lose a books, but there may be one in the future. Who knows? Thank you very much. And sorry for the joke. No, I love it. No, it's great. It's so true. Uh, what's the best way to contact you? The best way to explore my books is wherever you like to get books. So if you like reading a hardcover book, I have a hardcover book. If you like an ebook on your Kindle or your Nook, it's available as an ebook. If you've liked the sound of my voice in this podcast, I read the audiobook so you can listen to the book. The best way to find me is on my website, joeycoleman.com. That's J O E Y, like a baby kangaroo or a five year old child, Joey Coleman, C O L E M A N.com, joeycoleman.com. You can find me there. And if you're big into social media, which I am not, you can find me on LinkedIn. That's the best place to find me. Um, But if I can be of support to anyone listening or anyone wants to talk about ways to enhance customer experience or employee experience, please don't hesitate to reach out. Thank you very much. And to the audience, you will find all the information and the contact de details, including the link to this, uh, the two amazing books that Joy brought. And now we are coming to the last question. Is Joy's golden nugget, it's something that we discussed or something new to leave to the audience? A golden nugget, I would say, because I know a lot of the folks that listen to this show are leaders. They're CEOs, they're founders, they're business owners, they're folks. In, but then there's also folks that are managers and maybe they're leading their house or leading their team. There's always an opportunity to treat humans as humans. There's always an opportunity for personal and emotional connection. And if there is one skill that I would suggest people continue to work at developing, it is the skill of empathy. When we understand what another person is going through, when we do our best to step into their shoes and see the world from their perspective, it makes connection easier. It makes bonds stronger, it makes our worldview more expansive. So wherever you can, try to create personal and emotional connections. And the best way to do that is from a place of empathy. The only thing that I can say is, Joy, thank you very much for your time. Please stay with me. To the audience, it's everything. I hope that you enjoyed this discussion as much as I did. Please really Go to Amazon or your preferred bookstore and buy Joy's uh, books. It's really worth it. Thank you very much. If you enjoyed this episode, please share the word of mouth. Subscribe it. Share it. Until the next episode, please don't forget. We are not in a B2B or B2C business. We are in a human-to-human -human environment. Thank you.